If you have a Bible, go ahead and take it out and let's uh, bring our sermon series on love to a conclusion together. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, the entire chapter, uh, one last time. If you're a guest with us, I want you to know we are so glad that you're here and we really do hope that you feel welcome and wanted because you are. And if you're a guest here, you may not know that we've been in a 10-week series on love and uh, learning about love from what the Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 13. So we are so glad that you are here uh, as we bring this sermon series to a conclusion. I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians 13. It's on page 1220 if you're using one of our Bibles. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I am, I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you and praise you for these many weeks that we have been able to look together at what love is and what it is not, what it does and what it does not. And Father, we want now for you to fill us with your spirit and with increasing knowledge of your glory and grace to us in Christ. And we pray that you'll be with us, that you'll open our minds and hearts to the things that you have revealed to us so so that we might know your love for us even more and be even more equipped to show that kind of love to one another and to our neighbors and to the nations. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, my dad and I were fishing in Canada with some of his friends. We were on this gigantic lake, and we were just the only people on that whole lake. It was amazing. And we suddenly heard this airplane coming in. Uh, We looked over, and it was this huge, huge airplane. And it was coming right down towards the water. Actually, it wasn't all that far from us. And we're just in our little boat, like, what's happening here? And this huge airplane comes down, and it skims along the surface of the water, and then it takes off again. 
And we're watching this thing and we realize it's a firefighting plane. And what it does is after it takes off again, it banks and it came back and then it opens its doors and just tons, tens of thousands of gallons of water just fall out of the plane onto the fire. And then it kind of banks around again and comes in and scoops up more water. And there it goes once again, dumping more and more water on this fire. And it was an amazing sight at the time. If you've never seen that, you can go on YouTube and look for firefighting airplanes and you'll see them. But I was thinking about that this week because, you know, for these 10 weeks, we've been talking about love, what love is from what the Apostle Paul tells us here in 1 Corinthians 13. And we now are at these last two things that he tells us about love, that it endures all things and it never ends. And I was thinking about that airplane this week because number one it had to endure a challenge of getting that fire out and part of how it was able to do that is it had basically an endless supply of what it needed the water in the lake and as we bring this sermon series to a close i'm so excited to be thinking about the fact that christ does empower us to endure the hard things about love And he gives us this endless supply of love so that our love can be endless like God's love is for us. And so that's going to be our focus this morning, that through faith in Christ, our love for one another can be both enduring and endless. And so let's talk about these things. I'm going to do this by uh, looking at three things. First, I want to talk about enduring love. What's Paul talking about there? What does that mean? And then we'll talk about the fundamental difference between God and man. And that might seem to come out of left field, but it'll make a lot of sense as we talk about our third point this morning, endless love. How can our love endure and how can it be endless? Uh, Let's find out. So let's talk about enduring love. What does Paul mean when he says love endures all things? One of the things that if you're one of the things that can help is if you're familiar with the NIV translation of this, because in that translation, it has Paul saying love always perseveres presses on it keeps going in fact uh, this word endure that paul uses is a compound word it's two words put together it's the greek word for remain and the greek word for under put together so he's literally saying that love remains under it remains and um other places that we see this word endure in the bible tell uh, it's used when talking about enduring to the end of life or when it's talking about us awaiting our eternal reward, enduring knowing that God will uh, bring us to heaven because of Jesus. It's also used of living through long-term trials. And that's key. That's really key right there, that concept of living through long-term trials. Um, You see, what Paul's saying about love here, when he says it endures, it's, it's similar to what he's talking about in verse 4 when he says love is patient. But patience has to do more with bearing with somebody in the moment when they're doing something sinful against you, when they're being hurtful to us. When Paul says love endures all things, he's talking more about the longer view. That our love for one another should go on and on through these different things that we have to Endure the hardships of love. One author says it this way. In our context, to endure all things means that we are willing to remain in difficult situations for the sake of one another rather than seeking our own ease through escape. 
So whether you're talking about our love for members of our immediate family or members of our church family here, uh, Paul is showing us that God calls us to have love that fights through the hardships that come from loving people in a fallen world like this. And if you, if you think about it, the fact that God has to reveal this to us uh, shows us that this is not our natural way of doing things. We don't naturally fight through and think about the long view. Think about it this way, like, in one sense, you know, a war is made up of many battles, right? A long war would be made up of many battles. And if an army was going to war, they would want to be aware of the fact that they're going to have multiple battles, and some of those battles they will win, and some of those battles they will lose, but... The key is that they pan out and keep thinking about the whole war. And ultimately, that's what Paul is telling us here. That when we sign up to love someone, there's going to be all these different battles. But he's saying, stay in it throughout the entire war. Don't let the hard things that happen here or there deter us from continuing to love one another, but instead endure through those things. I mean, imagine if an army did go into war thinking they're just going to win every battle. Right? It's just going to be one after another like dominoes. No problem, guys. Here we go. They're going to be very disappointed, very discouraged, very confused. But rather, if they're aware that fighting an entire war takes a lot of battles, where some you win, some you lose, then they're going to be more prepared. And that's one of the ways I think we can apply what Paul is saying. That love is hard. And we should expect that as we seek to love one another... It's going to get really hard sometimes. And we should live knowing it's going to get really hard so that when it does, we learn to rely on Christ to endure through those things. I'll never forget a number of years ago, one of our interns was with me when we were talking to a bunch of high school kids back when I was the youth pastor here. And uh, we were talking to some kids about love and marriage and stuff and getting their impressions of what they thought about that. And this one young high school girl said something very interesting that made Timothy, the intern, many of you remember Timothy Price, made him kind of yell. And if you know Timothy, he's the most laid-back individual in the world. Like he somehow from Alabama is a total surfer dude, but he is, and he's just so laid-back. So here's what happens. Uh, the, The kids are kind of talking about their understandings of love and marriage, and one young woman says, I just think that when I find the right man, uh, you know, he will love me and I will love him and everything will be wonderful. And Timothy, laid back Timothy says, no, 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 no. He says, he says, you got that from Disney, not from the Bible. Now just think about that for a second. If somebody walks into a relationship where they're called to love someone, whether it's marriage or whether it's as part of a church body or whether it's with your family, if you walk into a situation like that thinking everything's going to be wonderful, you're going to get leveled again and again. Because we live in a broken world where all sorts of hard things happen, bad things happen. And what Paul is teaching us here is that love takes the long view. Love gets ready and knows that it's going to need 
strength from somewhere else to endure when things get very difficult. I mean, even in a church, you know, a lot of times people get frustrated with people in their own church. Why would we not expect that? Like in membership class, we should say, by the way, you'll get hurt here. Because we're sinners. We're not here because we do it right. We're here because we need the one who did it right to forgive us and empower us to become more like him. So there's so it's so important that we realize that in any situation where we're called to love someone else, it's going to get really challenging. There's going to be all these battles, but we want to be in it for the long haul. We want to think about the entire war. And the only way for us to do that is to look to Christ. For us to look to Christ for that strength. Why? Well, Christ is the one who has ultimately endured the greatest hardship, if you will, imaginable. Christ has endured the wrath of God on the cross for us. Think about this. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Same word that Paul uses. Greek word, hupomeno. Which is why Christ is the only one who can strengthen us to endure because he has endured the worst things imaginable. And we are, by faith, united to him. Think about this. The more that we believe that Christ not only endured the wrath of God on the cross so that you and I, through faith, could be completely forgiven of our sin and declared righteous in God's sight, but he also did that to show that he can endure, that he's the one, the one who can truly endure any and all things for love. And the more that we believe that, that it's going to be through relying on Christ to give us what we need to endure the hardships of love. The more we believe that, the more we will rely on him and the more we'll turn to him too. The more that we'll pray more often, be fervent in prayer. Lord, help me endure this challenge of love. I'll tell you one thing, that Facebook and Netflix will not give you power uh, to endure love. But running to Jesus, the one who has endured the worst of the worst, And believing that you're united to him by faith is what empowers you and I to push through the hard stuff and think about the long view. Now, Paul also says, not only does love endure all things, but love never ends. Or the NIV says, uh, love never fails. And what's interesting about what Paul says here is in the Greek, he's literally saying that love never falls, F-A-L-L-S. We translate it fails or never ends to get the sense of it, but what's really interesting is he does use a word that, that literally means falls, love never falls. It's actually the same word that's used for people losing their strength and falling uh, in different places in the New Testament. One example would be Matthew 17:15 where a man runs up to Jesus and says, "Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water." Now you think about that for a second. What's happening to that boy? He's losing his strength. He's losing control and falling. And Paul uses that same word here, love never falls. That's pretty interesting. Because what he's getting at then is that love doesn't lose its strength. Love remains full. 
And I'm hearing that, I'm seeing that, and I'm thinking, wow, I need some help. Because it's hard sometimes to have full love for someone. It's hard to, to feel like, yes, I'm strong enough to keep loving. I need some help. And you need some help. We all need some help. More than just help. We need resurrection. We need Christ. And this is what's so important, or why it's so important then for us to talk about God and man for a moment. Let's talk about God and man. And I want to talk about the fundamental difference between God and man. Okay, one of the most fundamental differences between God and man is the fact that God is eternal and man is not. God never began. He will never end. We came into being because God is the eternal creator and we are all created. We always have to keep that sharp distinction, creator, creature, because it helps us remember he's eternal. We are not. And When we remember that God is eternal, we also want to recognize that all of God's attributes are also eternal, just like him. And this is so important if we want to understand how our love can remain strong, can be endless. We have to think about the fact that God is eternal and like himself, his love is also eternal. Look at this. R.C. Sproul says this. God's love, like himself, is eternal. When we talk about God's eternity, we're talking about something greater than duration. When we say God is eternal, we are saying that God is self-existent, that he has no beginning. He derives his existence or his being from no other source. Rather, he has the power to be in and of himself. He's not dependent on anything outside himself for his own life or being now think about that for a second because what he's getting at is that god is eternal and everything about god exists on his own including his love his love is also eternal his love does not need anything outside of him to function it's fully existent in and of himself This is why in the scriptures, God reveals to his people that his love for them is eternal, that it's always been there and it'll always be there. Um, We see this in Jeremiah 31, verse three, where the Lord says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. It's so interesting because what we're seeing there is God is saying, why is he faithful to sinful, messed up people? Not because of anything in them, but because his love is an everlasting love. It has always been there. It has always existed. His love for his people who are identified by their faith in Christ, his love for his people never began and it will never end. In fact, this is why Dutch theologian Gerhardus Voss says this. The best proof that God will never cease to love us lies in that he never began. So God's love for you and I who believe never started. It has always been there. 
And not just been there, like it's over here. It's always been coming to us. The flow has always been steadily to his people. You know, when, uh, when I was a kid, actually in high school, um, I lived in a little city in upstate New York called Saratoga Springs, New York. Okay? And it was called that because it has the oldest thoroughbred racetrack. No, I'm just kidding. Because it has, it does have the track, but it's called Saratoga Springs because there are these several natural springs that they put some structures over and some fountains and those springs are constantly pumping out water all day, every day. Now this water has a lot of minerals in it and so people really like it and they come, they'll bring milk jugs and they'll fill up milk jugs and they'll take this water home and they'll bathe in it. Some people actually drink it. It smells a little funky so I've never drinking it but uh, these people are obsessed with this water. And what is so interesting about it, though, is it's always flowing. It never stops. It's always bubbling up out of these springs. So any second of any day, if somebody wants some, they can come and fill their cup. This is why in the scriptures, God, uh, we see people referring to God as, as if he's a fountain. It's why we sing, come thou fount. Of every blessing. Because God's eternal love is always flowing from him to us. It always has. It always will. And his love doesn't need anything outside of him to flow to us. And God reveals this to us so that we understand that there's not even our sin will turn off the flow of his love to us, those whom he has chosen in Christ. In fact, our assurance of pardon this morning talks about this. And it reminds us that God didn't start loving us when Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us because God has always loved us with an everlasting love. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I think that God reveals his eternal love, the flow that's always on. He reveals that to us for two reasons. One, so that we're crystal clear and totally sure that, it's, that we're not right with him because of anything we've done. But because of his love that flowed to us, most importantly, in the death of his son to pay for our sins. And that salvation and forgiveness of our sins and righteousness and eternal life and all these things are things we simply receive for free. Through faith in Jesus. So that's one reason he shows us his love is eternal. But the other reason I believe that God reveals to us that his love is always on. It's always flowing. Is so that we know that through faith we're united to love itself. God is love. And that that flow for us is always on. And as we continue to know him more, that endless flow of love to us fills us up that we might show endless love to others. I mean, think about this. Remember, uh, Paul says, let's talk, let's third, let's talk about endless love. Uh, Paul says love never ends, and, and the nuance of that is that it doesn't lose its strength, it doesn't run out, but remains full. 
And the reason that people run out of love for one another in the world is because we don't have an endless source on our own. We can muster up a little, but once that runs out, we're done. But you and I who believe in Jesus, we're not just in the world, we're in, we're in the kingdom. And in the kingdom, through faith, we are united to God and that eternal flow of love. So our love for one another becomes endless when we stop depending on our finite selves and depend more on our infinite God. And believing that flow is always on. A couple uh, weekends ago, or maybe it was last weekend, uh, my family and a few other families got together to play some family games. And one of the games that we played had to do with buckets and cups. And what we did is the dads had a big bucket of water in front of them and a solo cup. And then all the kids sat behind the dad. And then the mom would be at the end and uh, with another bucket. And the, the game was to fill the cups and pass the water to fill the bucket on the end. So what it looked like for us is I would dip my solo cup and then I would pour it behind me. That was part of the game. And my oldest son Noah would catch it and then he would pour it behind him. And Lydia, my oldest daughter, would catch it and then she would pour it behind her. And Hattie would catch it and then she'd pour it behind her and Eliza would catch it. And by the way, for family games, we have that many kids. You just got to... It's going gonna, it's gonna to get weird. But anyway, then Eliza would pour it back and Hannah would catch it, my wife, and then she would pour it in the bucket. And I remember one moment when I poured a little too early and Noah wasn't ready, so it just went all down my back. And I'm like, Noah! And, uh, and I don't know which family won, and I don't think it matters. Um, but I was thinking about that this week. And, um, you know, two things could have stopped the flow, right? Number one, if the bucket I was drawing from had gone dry, then that would have stopped the flow. Or number two, if someone along the chain had stopped lifting their cup to be filled, then that would have stopped the chain as well. But see, God the Father reveals... That his love for us is eternal. It doesn't run out. It's always flowing. Every minute of every day. And he reveals that to us not only so we know how loved we are. But also so that we keep lifting our cup. Just think about, you know, one of the areas where we need to, we're called to love one another is in marriage. And anyone who's married knows that marriage is really difficult. And, And you know that there's times when you feel like you're running out of love and God says, come to me and let me fill the cup that you might continue to pour out your love on your spouse. And so how does, how does God do that? How does he actually fill us up? How does he keep our love strong? It's not only by revealing to us 
that his love is always on, it's always flowing, and that we need to keep lifting our cup. But he tells us, how do we lift our cup? And primarily, it's by coming to him in worship. I mean, every time, every Sunday when we gather here to worship, we're not just here to express our love for God. We're here to lift our cup. We come empty, we're meant to leave filled with him and his love. We come weak, we're meant to leave strong from his grace. We come worn out, we're meant to leave charged by his love that he would keep pouring into us. And here's what's so powerful about that. See, as we make worship a priority and we come together to have him pour his love into our hearts, what happens is it overflows. And that's why we not only talk about worship a lot, but we talk about community and being in our community groups. Because it's meant to be that as the love of God in us overflows, it overflows first in um, and among us as we experience gospel-centered community together. And there's still enough for it to overflow into our neighbors and the nations, which is why we also talk about mission. But you see how that works? When we come to worship, he's filling us. We overflow so that we can have beautiful community, loving one another, and it still overflows so that we can love the world. And the flow never stops. Take marriage for one more uh, example. Think about this. How does, how does worship attendance affect marriage? Do you know? It's very interesting. There's been a lot of studies done on which denominations have lower divorce rates and stuff like that, and they really find a hard time finding conclusive things on any particular denomination. Uh, but when they stopped looking at affiliation and started looking at attendance, you know what happened? Uh, the uh, Harvard School for Public Health did a study, and here's what they found. Married couples who attend religious services are 30 to 50% less likely to get divorced than those who do not. Such couples are also nearly 30% less likely to be depressed and over a 16-year follow-up period were shown to have significantly lower risk of dying young. Why is that? Because when we come to worship... God, who is love and whose love is eternal, it never began, it will never end. It's always on, flowing and flowing and flowing. When we come to him, we come as the airplane needing water and there's plenty to scoop up and take with us. Because when we come to him, we come like the people going to the springs to fill jugs to take home and bathe in or drink. Because when we come, we come like kids lifting their cups so their daddy can fill it with water so they can fill the cup of their sibling behind them with water as well. See? It's beautiful. And we've learned a lot about love in these last 10 weeks. Most importantly, that all of these things we've learned about love, yes, they teach us about love. Yes, they show us how to have a very loving community as a church. But most of all, they show us Christ. They show us who He is and what He wants for us. I mean, if you look back at the passage and you put... Christ in there, then you see another picture of the beauty and glory of Christ. Christ is patient with us. Christ is kind to us. Christ does not envy or boast to us. Christ is not arrogant or rude to us. Christ is not irritable or resentful toward us. Christ doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. Christ rejoices with the truth. Christ bears all things for us, believes all things for us, hopes all things for us, endures all things for us. And Christ's love for us never ends. 
because it, like him, is eternal. And the more that we come with our cups, the more he keeps filling it. And our love for one another not only endures, but never ends. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Would you help us to be people who believe your word? Would you help us to be people who, although we can't fully understand it, that we receive the fact that your love for us is eternal. That Christ died for sinners like us, not so that you could love us, but because you did. You have. You always have. And you always will. And would you help us, Holy Spirit, to lift our cup and to keep coming back. To be filled with the love of God and worship that it might overflow in our church community and even on mission to our neighbors and the nations. And do it all for your glory and for our good and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.